Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now-ish. Hey, what's up, family? Welcome to Right Now-ish. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw, sliding in the studio to bring you a story that's for sure going to get you moving. If you're an avid Bart writer, chances are you've seen folks dancing on the train to make a little change. The style of dance most people do on Bart is turf dancing, a type of dance that emerged from Oakland in the late 90s and early 2000s. It was popularized during the hyphy movement, and in many ways, it carried the culture. More than just going dumb, turf dancing is about the smooth footwork, pantomiming, and making facial expressions. It's about the bone breaking, tutting, and pop locking. It's storytelling, on beat, and being player about it. This week, we're talking to Talise Summerfield, a turf dancer who takes the meaning behind the acronym TURF, taking up room on the floor, seriously. Originally from South Sacramento, Talise was a kid when the hyphy movement kicked off, but she took note of it all, the good, the bad, and the dance moves. And since then, she's gone on to teach dance classes in schools, host events at the Oakland Museum of California, and shine on stage at Red Bull's Dance Your Style competition. If you're lucky enough to get on the right BART train, you'll find Talise going from station to station, gigging, doing bone-breaking contortions and acrobatic moves, as she performs on public transit. It's because of this work ethic and talent that Talisa's name now rings bells in the Bay and beyond. Today on Right Nowish, Talise shares a bit of her story growing up in Sacramento, her affection for the town, and how she's turf danced all over Northern California, carrying the hyphy flag with her and keeping the culture lit for the next generation. All of that and more right after this. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. 
Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. What's your earliest memory of turf dancing? When was the first time you saw it? So when I was 11, my, I want to call her my cousin, but she really like my little brother's auntie. She, we're not like lover. Anyways, she threw a party. I want to say she was like a junior or senior in high school. And she threw a big ass party right there in Metaview. And it was so lit. It was like my first function. And in there, they was fucking with it. They was turfing. And like, it just was, it was so lit. It was like one of the most hypeest, youngest moments of my life. By like my junior year of high school, I was like, this is school to go to the battles. Or I would like leave whatever school a bit. I was also in the extracurriculars, very studious, very smart. But I would be leaving the school shit to go dance because that's really where my heart was. During that time period, we have this thing called the hyphy movement. And through that, it furthered the cultural identity of Northern California hip hop. And it spoke to you in Sacramento. You latched on to it. What was it about the hyphy movement that spoke to you? Oh my goodness, I felt a sense of like, oh, that's me. Like, it was just like a sense of resonance, you know? Um, it allowed me to be free. With the hyphy movement and with hyphy culture and like just the energy behind it, there's a sense of like relief and freedom and like, oh, you don't actually gotta sit like this and you like this and do this and there's no supposed to. You know, you could just like fuck with it. You know what I mean? Like, it was very electric for me. Like, I will always turn up. The Federation was my favorite. And whenever I felt constrained by rules or uh, by circumstance or by um, obstacles, uh, I could always turn on some hype slaps and it would just be lit. Like, I just would feel better, you know? Something that I really wanted to touch on is the fact that your mother would drive you and sometimes even your siblings to functions in Oakland so that you could dance. What did her belief in you do for you as a, a burgeoning dancer? She would do all of that sacrificing and and mind you, she was like, the battles back in the day was like $25, maybe $20, $25. And she couldn't afford to get us all in. So she would drive all the way from SAC, maybe with my siblings in the car, things around, if not things at home or whatever. But they would all wait outside for me. And she would pay for me to get into battles and wait hours, hours for me to just be exposed. Like, maybe, maybe not Cypher. Maybe, maybe not meet a few people. You know what I mean? Like, I was a lot more reserved and a lot less confident at the time. And so she would go the extra mile just for me to have the exposure to what I love most. And for me, like, especially in hindsight, I can never pay her back for that. You know, it was like an investment that, like, she really believes in me. And it's paid off. You know, I'm I'm able to pay my bills now off of dance, just off of me being who I am. And like, that's a blessing. That is, that's irreplaceable. You know, you can't put a price tag on that. So her investment in me way back when just showed me that she believed in whatever I decide to do, she won't stand 10 toes behind me. That's beautiful. As a parent, I know that like, that's something that, yeah, you kind of live through your child in, in, in a lot of ways. And, and so seeing you, Pursue your dreams and be successful. I'm sure she's proud of you. Something I, I got to get here because this is an important part of your story. You get into UC Berkeley. You move to the Bay Area. You study social welfare as well as Spanish. And 
at the same time, you weren't all the way feeling what UC Berkeley was in terms of the social life on campus. So you ended up in Oakland. What did Oakland provide for you as an outlet during that time period? Oakland provided a sense of like home. Like it didn't feel like there were as many social expectations or regulations. Um, Racism wasn't as heavy as it was in Berkeley. My craft held more weight in Oakland. You know, like I feel like my, I could take my craft to Oakland anywhere, you know, especially on the trains, but like anywhere really and be recognized for what I do and like really be affirmed in what I do. Whereas like in Berkeley, it just like, oh, that's cool. You know? Very much. So. I went, went to Berkeley for grad school, similar situation where on Fridays I would drop my backpack off and just be in the town. And I, it was a release. I could breathe again. And that's a lot of the reason why I would either, if I was in Berkeley, I was either at home, in class, or on my way to the bar. <laughs> like, I was never really kicking it in Berkeley. I never really was fucking with the parties like that, like, none of that, because I didn't feel a sense of belonging. I didn't feel like there was room for, like, real Black girls. Like, Berkeley's well-known for its um, political activism, its progressive activism, uh, but there also still exists a lot of hegemony and hierarchy in that arena just to even have access to it you know so I felt that a lot and just openly gave me an escape it gave me access to myself that makes perfect sense and that investment in yourself paid dividends you furthered your community you met folks who were into dance just like you were you met my best friend in the world Jesus Zusel uh who's a legendary turf dancer and so I've known Zeus since seventh grade, and I've seen him develop this turf dance family kind of from the outside. You know, I, I know a lot of the people, but I'm, I'm not a dancer, so I'm not in it. And so I'm wondering, like, what is it like being inside of that turf dancing family? First of all, shout out to Zeus. I love him so much. That's big bro. He's incredible. He takes everybody in with open arms, and that's not the case for all the turfers. Like, that's, not, that's not our general standard of uh, embracing people. You know, a lot of times people have to earn it, but he just like welcomed me. And I just, I'm so grateful. Being inside of that family, it's like, it's very nuanced. Like there's very, very high highs and the lows really kick you in your ass. There's a lot of politics too that are not easily uh, legible to an onlooker, right? Or somebody who just, whose perspective is from the outside in. It's, it's very critical that we stay connected, even if we don't see eye to eye or even if we don't agree on a topic. Being in that family is not easy, but Zeus made it a lot easier. Like, I met, he was one of the first people I met in my first, like, day of being in Berkeley by myself without my family. You know, like, I went to the gym and I went to go flip with him. And that also gave me a sense of myself because I've been an athlete for a long time. And it just reminded me, like, there's not, you don't have to, separate your identity into categories like they can all blend and serve your purpose for who you are you came out and you stole the show at a kqed event we were honoring dancers from we uh, basically a hundred years worth of dancing told through this show and toward the end we invited folks to come up on stage and start hit it hitting it and you came out there gigging you knew a little bit of everybody and folks knew you being integral to what I love most has earned me the opportunity of getting to be who I am authentically. 
everywhere I go. When you see me interacting with people and you see me like, like you said, I knew a little bit of everybody. Someone that I met from years ago in school could be at a KQED event and remember me and recognize me, right? Or um, someone that I met through a, a village auntie can be at another event and remember me. You know what I mean? And so I think just like developing authentic relationships and being authentic to who I am has allowed me to earn my name and earn like the honor behind it. You mentioned dancing in different places and people knowing you from the different hats that you wear. Do you have a different approach when you're dancing on big stages or community events or even on BART? Dancing on big stages is really fun. It's really fun because the support is, for the most part, it's overwhelming. It allows me to expose the culture to a larger amount of people. And the way that I do it is unique because I wasn't here. You know, I wasn't in the town in 2006, 2007, 2008, right? So the way that I do it has to be genuine to who I am. It feels empowering to dance on BART uh, because I know that I can always feed myself off my craft, you know? Uh, but there's there's like nuances, right? Like there's the good with the bad. Like BART is not the cleanest place to be hustling. <laughs> it's not the cleanest place to be dancing, you know? So I don't sit down when I'm dancing on BART. Like I don't sit down on BART, period. Most people who see dancers on BART, they rarely see girls. They rarely see girls who are raw. I don't know. I don't even really see girls like that. And I'll be out there. So like turping in itself is taking up room on the floor, right? And it's like radical. It's political. It's not It's not just dance moves. Like you can feel it. It pierces you, you know? And whether I'm dancing on BART, whether I'm dancing at a battle, whether I'm dancing at First Friday, whether I'm dancing at a music festival, like people can feel that. That's dope. Okay. And then in terms of that validity and developing community and reaching folks, um, during the pandemic, BART ridership took a dive. You pivoted and started doing work online. You developed a, a dance club called Pussy Power Dance and it became popular. Why do you think folks latched onto it? Well, I created Pussy Power out of a deficit of platform, right? Each month I would host a uh IG live session and it would last for about an hour and I would invite girls to come and perform on Pussy Power and um, they would take three to five minutes to dance and they would just showcase and I made it a showcase on purpose so that it was more open to all levels, styles, backgrounds like I didn't want it to feel like a competition or like a battle or like you're going against all these girls in the live right and I think that people latched on to it because they probably felt the same way and also because they saw how unifying it was from like the barriers of time, space, language, uh, level of dance, um, and any other constraints that could keep us away from each other. They, those obstacles didn't limit us when we were on Pussy Power. So like it was all, every episode was so inspiring and like all the girls are like, oh my goodness, it was just so cool. To me, giving back is a part of why I do everything that I do. Like I want everyone to walk away with something even if it's inspiration or hopefully it's tangible. And so through Pussy Power, even though there was all these dimensions that kept us apart, I still was able to give back in tangible ways and that made it more popular. It's something that you've seen like you've etched out a career path because now you're working in education as well, teaching young folks dance in West Oakland. Tell me more about your day job. My day job is teaching dance at an elementary school in West Oakland and I teach from preschool up until fourth grade. 
Um, basically, there's two classes of each grade and each class like circulates through my class. In my class, we do like it's not elite dancing at all. You know, it's not like it's not traditional uh what traditional dance classes would look like where like they're learning a choreography and then they're doing the choreography right it's more of like embracing movement as a uh creative expression of empowerment you know it's like confidence building it's like them embracing that dance culture is really fun what i do like my role is to like uplift them and empower them and like show them like even if you don't feel like the best dancer in the world you can still come touch the stage and show some poses and, you know, you can walk down a soldiering line like the queen that you are. And so that allows them to share information of movement with each other um, back and forth and just like embrace each other, you know, really see each other. And then beyond that, you also do workshops with folks of all ages through the Oakland Museum of California. What's that experience been like? The Oakland Museum, shout out to them. I love you so much. Um, the workshop that I taught recently it did have a diverse age group and I'm grateful for that because the movement and the information that I have to offer I do want it to be accessible to everyone and so I hosted a dance workshop on the front steps like in the front patio of the Oakland Museum and at first there was like only a few people and like there's some people who are feeling shy so they just wanted to watch and then there's some people who were like yeah I'll do you know I'll come fuck with y'all um, but by the end of the class, it was like a good 15, 20 people. And they all like, yeah, you know, they're all really excited. I like to end with uh, activities, games, you know, dance circles, things like that, because it it's not so like accomplished based. It's actually about how you feel because it's not just a dance move. It's not just a dance style. It's like it, it's a feeling. You know what I mean? It's like a it's like a radical act. It's a radical practice. So people feel that. When they're in my classes, in my space, learning from me, they they always leave with smiles. And that just makes me feel like, oh, my goodness. You're doing the work. You're doing the work. And it's, I mean, the smiles and also, like, having income based on it, being able to make a living off of dance, like, that, that's a sign that you're on the right path. With that said, why do you personally think it's important to pass down these lessons to the next generation? Several reasons. I, I really, in my heart, I know that if we don't pay it forward, the culture will die. Like, just Period. You know, and so I really, as someone who's really passionate about it and who cares about this a lot and like who makes a living and defines my path with this turfing shit, like turfing is a way of life for me. And as someone who uses this practice as a way of life, it's critical to pass it down. It's critical to pay it forward. So that way I'm not always, the, the burden isn't always on me to keep this alive. Like, you know, it's not just on any of us. Like we have a whole nother generation of people who are, emerging and maybe they can do a little bit more with this practice with this community than we were able to do you know maybe they can reach farther than we were able to reach you know like there's a lot of people around the world who want to learn turfing you know um and we have it like we it's not like we're not capable there's just some disconnects that i want to like connect so that not only i can get paid buku money to travel the world and teach and learn turfing right but my peers and my my youngins can also do the same and see tangible opportunity from this, you know? Everybody eats, B. Everybody eats. Everybody eats. walks away with something. I want to give a huge shout out to Talise Summerfield. You found your path and you simultaneously carried the culture with you. Thank you for taking it even further. You all can follow her on Instagram at Talise, spelled T-U-U-H-L-E. 
A-C-E-E. -E. And that's the best way to stay updated on Talisa's upcoming performances, classes, and more. This episode was hosted by me, Pendarvis Harshaw. It was produced by Marisol Medina Cadena and Cherie Bishop. Chris Hambrick is our editor. Christopher Beal is our engineer. Additional support provided by Jen Sheehan, Katie Spranger, Cesar Saldana, Or Dursun, and Holly Kernan. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend or write a review on your favorite podcast platform. It helps more people find us. Thanks, y'all. Right Now-ish is a KQED production. Peace. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 